I would invite you to turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we are just picking up where we left off last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word, the clarity and the guidance that it gives our life. I pray that you give illumination to today, uh, allow us to understand, help us to apply these things to our heart, to our mind, to our life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of the key elements of the Christian life that distinguishes us from the world is our faith. It's the key element. Peter said more, it's more precious than gold because if we see true faith, genuine faith in our life, we know that God is working. And if we know that God is working, He'll fulfill it. He'll complete it. Um, This genuine faith causes us to stand and be distinct from the world. It produces a righteousness in our life, produces perseverance and hope in our life, and causes us to to walk with God, this genuine faith. But it needs to be tested, needs to be examined, needs to be examined. What kind of faith? Is this a man-manufactured kind of faith? Is the object in the right place of our faith? Is this a God-given faith? And there's various tests that we can use. Most of the, the first test that we usually use is the doctrinal test. And we just, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God, do you believe that man is sinful? And just the doctrinal test. But unfortunately, most of the time, that's where we stop. We don't go any further. Um, and, and people respond, yes, I know, I know, I know those things. I, I believe those things. I really, really believe those things. Um, or they'll say, yes, I remember when I became a Christian. But they... They stop at the doctrinal test. Uh, when what we see in Scripture, when we're encouraged to test ourselves, it's not just the doctrinal test. We examine the life. And we have to ask the question, and Peter and James and Paul asked the, the question, what is, when they referred to these kinds of tests, is what is your life like? You have to examine the life, not just the doctrine, what you profess about Christ, but are you living out what you say you believe? Is it real in your life? And there has to be some evidence there. There has to be some reality. Um, James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse 22 and 23 uh, we're called to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. First or second Peter, Peter says he calls us. He he says make sure of your calling. Make your make sure your calling is is true. In Hebrews chapter six and chapter ten, the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to to make genuine 
make sure of it's a genuine faith. So we're called to examine ourselves, And that's exactly what's happening here. Test yourself, Paul says. Test yourself. Um, and let me give you a, a couple of warnings here. Because we have sinful hearts. And, and the reaction that we're going to automatically have is, is two extremes so often. When we, when we start looking inside ourselves and examining our own heart. Number one is, is to avoid it. No, I don't want to take a test. I don't want to see. It might reveal things I don't want to know. And so, so just avoid it. So it's like avoiding a doctor's appointment. Avoiding the, the test that the doctor wants to do on me. I don't want to go down that direction. I don't want to, I don't want that at all. So we kind of explain it away. We don't want anything to do with it. Avoiding. Or on the other extreme, sometimes, we go too far and it just becomes self-focused in self-examination there's always that danger of just becoming morbidly introspective and get to the point that you're just so focused on yourself you're worshiping self not god anymore god's kind of out of the picture and you're the center of your life and oh am i doing this right am i doing that right and and that's not the idea at all and the last thing this generation needs is more self-focus and, and more uh, self-consciousness. The idea is that we lose ourselves. We'll explain this in just a bit. Now, Paul is calling the church in Cor- Corinth here uh, uh, to examine themselves. Now, this is the end of the book. He kind of ends it here. Just examine yourself. What's going on in Paul's in the in the book here is that there's people in the church at Corinth that are undermining Paul's ministry. They're saying, "Oh, he is. Uh, he doesn't have the authority. He does, he's not an apostle. He's not a real apostle like Peter, James, and John." And he and they're undermining his ministry there. And ultimately, they're undermining. The very gospel that he preaches, the very uh, fact that God has worked in his life. And so at the end of this letter, he's now turning his attention or turning the focus upon them, turning it back on them. You examine yourself. They've examined Paul. Now he's saying you examine yourself because I know that I'm right here. I'm standing in the truth. Are you standing in the truth? And you can read the context here. For yourself. And that's that's what's going on. There's got to be evidence, he says. You have to you have to know. Now the American church needs to hear this. The American church needs to examine themselves. Because I believe we have a Christianity that is not consistent with Scripture, and it needs to be tested because I think there's there's not a genuine faith here. It needs to Notice, just point out to you, test yourself to see if you are in the faith, examine yourself, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Now, that's the key, right? That's the standard. When you look at, when you look at um, yourself, when you're evaluating, does it look like Christ? Do you, do you see Christ reflecting back in you? That's the idea. Here, Christ is, of course, is the standard. He is the highest standard. But I'm afraid that if the American church tests themselves today, they're going to have a, a false Christ even. It's not even going to be consistent. They have a, a kind, gentle, nice Christ. 
sweet and, and giving. He meets all of my needs. Or the boyfriend Christ. That he makes me feel good and he's there to comfort me. Or the maybe even the mystical uh, Christ. And he's always watching and he's, he's guiding me this way and that way. And he's got this voice in my head. And, and we talked in, about this in Sunday school. We have to be very careful. It's a superstitious kind of... Uh, a hocus pocus kind of, of Christ idea here. We have to examine ourselves with scripture. This is, or anything else would just be our vain imaginations. It's not consistent. We, we can't compare ourselves with ourselves. We can't compare ourselves with each other. We can't just generalize and, well, we're, we're better than the, the, uh, the standards of the world. We have a better morality than the standards of the world, so we must be doing all right. No. The standard that we compare ourselves with is the Word of God. And we look at the Word of God, and do we, do we see then Christ reflected in that, in our life? And we can think, Uh, We have to think. This examination should force us to think, am I acting like a Christian? If I'm not acting like a Christian, then maybe I'm not a Christian. If I'm not following Christ, then maybe I'm not a follower of Christ. That's what testing forces us to to think about. This is a hard thing. This is not something every, anybody wants to do, but, but it's, that's what he's calling him. That's what Paul is calling them to do. Is he's pushing them. Test yourself. Is this true about yourself? That's what's going on in this passage. And this examination, really, to, to see it a different way, is this examination for the true believer should bring encouragement to the life. If we begin to see, yes, you know what? I'm different. I wasn't like this five years ago, but I look at my life now and I see Christ getting stronger and stronger, a more uh, a clear reflection of Christ as I look at my own life. And it should strengthen us and encourage us and give evidence that, that we, are, we have the genuine faith that, that is necessary for salvation. Where would they go, though? Because that, that raises the question here, and I think the natural place for, for them to, to examine themselves, because not too many books of the New Testament were written at this time. So the question is, where would they go to, uh, to examine themselves? The book of 1 John was one of the earlier books that were written, and he has written uh, his letter to the church so that they may know that they have eternal life, he says. So that they can know that they have eternal life. And I, I, Paul would, Paul would uh, be well to, to say, hey, look at John's letter and examine yourself from John's letter. And that's what we're going to base then our, our test on. Because John laid these things out for us. And essentially John is saying that, that biblical faith is not just a one-time act, but it is a lifestyle. And it has to be seen, it has to be reflected in our life, this genuine faith. So the question really is, that that's the principle, the question is how can we be certain that we have genuine faith? How can we be certain that we have genuine faith? And there's 11, there's 11 evidences, if you want to call it that, 11 evidences of genuine faith 
uh, when we begin to examine ourselves, that we should see within ourselves. And we see these things in the book of First John. Evidences. And there's 11 of them. Now, we're not going to do them all today, right? We understand that. I like what uh, John MacArthur and Dr. Mayhew has done in their biblical theology book. Uh, they lay out all of these 11 with subcategories. These subcategories are, is this. We'll see it on the, the screen here. This is uh, the, the bigger outline. We see evidences from the Christian's relationship with God. Evidences from the Christian relationship with God. That's number one. Number two, evidences from the Christian's uh, spiritual life and growth. And then number three, evidences from the Christian's relationship with other people. Okay, that's going to be the layout for for these eleven uh, eleven different tests, if you will, or questions or evidences of genuine faith in the believer's life. Number one, number one, the true believer enjoys fellowship with the Son and with the with the Father and the Son, as well as the family of God. Okay, that's the first test. And so then we, we have to look at ourselves. Do we enjoy? Is there a connection between us and the Father and the Son and the family of God? Is that connection there? Is it real? That's the idea. Now, let's turn over to the book of 1 John. And I want us to see this, uh, these evidences. And they're all from the book of 1 John, but, but really you see them throughout the New Testament as well. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, now that's the doctrinal part of the, the test, right? Believing that Jesus Christ is, is born of God. There, there should be evidence of spiritual life there. And whoever loves the Father, so, so as a result of this, there, the evidences would be a love for the Father, right? And whoever loves the Father, if there's an evidence, I mean, we, we, we naturally love our, our family, our, our parents. It's a natural thing. And whoever loves the Father loves the children or the child born of Him as well. That's the idea. We're born into a family. We, we, we tend to love that family. Now, that's the key because there's a connection here. Connection. And that... Uh, ties in with 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. And I want us to look at that one. This is a passage that was read for us earlier. And John says, what, we have, what was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes. Now, he's talking about, and this was read for us earlier, so I don't want to have to read this whole passage. It was read for us that John, John is saying, along with the other 12, what we, that's the 12, we, we heard him. We've seen him with our eyes. We've, we've hugged him. We've touched him. We ate dinner with him. We ate breakfast with him concerning the word of life. That's Jesus Christ. He was, they were with Christ. They saw him physically. They were eyewitnesses. Now, the key is verse three. And what we have seen and what we have heard, we proclaim to you. Also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Because of what we proclaim to you and you believe, you're welcomed into the fellowship. That's the key. It's a fellowship. A fellowship. 
He goes on to say, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You're brought into the family of of God. We have a connection with the Father, with the Son, and in even all of the children. And it's because we, we adhere to that one element, and that is through Jesus Christ. Believing and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. It goes back to the chapter 5 passage, verse 1. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ is born of God. That's the doctrinal test. And the implication here is that there's going to be evidence of that lived out in our life. And, and that's how we know. That's how we, we can know these things. Now, this goes far beyond, folks, just a religion. This goes beyond just a, a, a teacher-student relationship. That, that, that Christ is the student, or Christ is the teacher, and I'm the student. So I show up to class on Sunday morning, and I learn, and, and that's good. No, it goes far beyond that. It goes far beyond the master-servant relationship. That I'll do anything for, for Jesus. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And so it goes far beyond that. This is not just merely even worship. We can worship pagan gods. It goes beyond just obedience and, be, and prayer. It goes beyond just religious stuff. Religious uh, uh, trappings. Rather, the believers are... Intimately identified with Him. Intimately identified with Christ is what we see with Scripture. And the, the, the word is, they are, we're a unit. We are united with Christ. We're brought into the family. Adopted. Adopted. So this is more than just a, a, a religion that we're trying to conform ourselves to. No, we are brought into the family and given an identity here. Let me show you a couple of other verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship. Koinonia. The word koinonia there is, is the word partaker. You're part of this group. This isn't just, you know, it, it, it leads to fellowship. It leads to coming together and enjoying uh, one another. But it's far deeper than that. It's a connection. It's a partnership. We're part of one another. Why? Because we're part of God. We're part of Christ. And we're part of one another. And what we see, let, let me show you uh, how deep this goes. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 22 says Paul says this and this is the this should be true of every believer I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh right now I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me it's as though Christ has just swallowed up my life I was brought into the family. My individual identity is just completely lost in the family identity. I just took on that family identity. That's the, that's what we see in scripture. So much so that when Christ was, uh, that when Paul was going to persecute the church and Christ, uh, shone this great light and, and Paul fell to the ground and, and he heard this voice, what did Christ, what did Christ say to Paul? 
Why are you persecuting me? Well, wait a second. I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. Well, that is me. The, the connection is so tight. If you persecute the church, Paul, if you put your finger on the church, you're putting your finger on me. Let me take it another step further. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Paul says, if you're joining yourself with a harlot, you're joining yourself with a prostitute, it's as though you're bringing God together with that sinfulness. And that's the idea. So we are connected. There's a connection there that, that must be seen. That, that connection comes with conversion. And it, it will have evidence of life. Let me show you some of the characteristics of this. I believe I have these uh, on the screen. John chapter 17 and verse 3. Jesus says this. John chapter 17 and verse 3. This is when Jesus was praying to His heavenly Father. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word know there is an intimate knowledge. We're brought into an intimate knowledge with Christ, a connection. In John, in Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Paul describes this connection in this. Um, he says, or do you not know that you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Our connection with him attributes his death to us. Therefore, we have been buried with him. Our baptism into his death, we've been buried with him. That's a close connection. And through this baptism of death, so that as Christ is raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too walk in newness of life. You see the connection there? We, we take on all of the, the, the full advantages of Christ's righteous life and all of the advantages of His sacrifice for us. Now, that's a close connection. This is not just, well, I'm just trying to be a Christian, so I'll go to church and I'll try to learn to be a Christian, that kind of thing. No, this is a change from within. We're baptized into Christ. In fact, if you go a few verses, a few pages to the right in your Bible, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, we see Paul says this, For all, have, all of you have been baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. We, we have just taken on Christ's identity. Taking on Christ's identity. And in Ephesians chapter 1, and I don't have to read that, you know this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It is in Christ that we have every spiritual blessing. So that connection there is essential. It's a, it's a vital connection. And it is more than just uh, joining yourself to a religion. It's more than that. It has to be. And it scares me, folks, when I see people that, that just kind of have this loose connection with God, this loose connection with His church and with His, His people, with His Word. It's not a loose connection that you see. What you see in Scripture, there's always the emphasis is upon the intimacy in a firm, permanent, solid connection. Now, I'll try to give you the difference here, uh, an illustration. I could take a, uh, a lamp. And I can plug it into the, uh, the socket uh, and, and the lamp would, would come on. 
But that that lamp could come loose or that socket would might not work or or that uh, plug might might come out. What we're talking about here is a hardwired connection. You, you don't just plug your your wash machine in. It has to be hardwired. There's certain appliances in your in your uh, 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 kitchen that are hardwired. This is a hardwired. We're we're directly connected here, directly connected. It's important for us to see and understand that. And another clarification is that so often we see it as an individual thing. It is an individual thing, but we see it as uh, my personal, individual relationship with God. But the emphasis of Scripture is a relationship with the whole family, the union of the church. There's a unity there. Um, In fact, it's seen in Scripture as a a building upon the foundation. You have Christ as the foundation. We are the building. Not just me, but the whole church. Or the the vine and the branches. The, the vine would be Christ, and we are just the branches, and we're all connected through there. Or a union between a married uh, uh, a man and a woman, the church and Christ. That union there is representative of the connection that we have with Christ. Or one other illustration is the the head and its body. You don't get any more connected than that. You sever the head from the body, you're, you're not connected. It, 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 there's death there. The head and the body work completely um, uh, together, and it's they're they're one. When you affect the head, it affects the body, and the body affects the head. Now, in the theology book that MacArthur and Mayhew have written, they point out this connection here. First, it's an organic connection; it's a, a living kind of connection. There. Second, it's a legal connection that, that we get all of the benefits of Christ. It's a legal connection. Third, it's a, a vital connection. If it's not there, then we miss out, we miss out on the, uh, of the, the spiritual life and vitality that flows from the branches, from, from the vine to the branches. It's a vital thing. That connection has to be there. Fourth, it's a spiritual union because of the Holy Spirit. And fifth, it's a permanent Reunion, permanent union. So we're connected. We're within the family. Genuine faith brings us into the family and there's going to be evidence. There's going to be evidence. Now, what are some of the evidence? Let me give you some. And just for the sake of time, we won't look at each one of these passages. But uh, Psalm chapter 34, verse 8 says, we take refuge in God. Listen, if we are... If we're connected with God, we, we understand that, that spiritual connection and we run to God. That's the first place we go. If there's, if there's something wrong, we, we run to God. Why? Because that's our head. He's our connection. He's, he's the, 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 the vine. We are the branches and, and we run to that sustenance of God Himself. First Peter chapter five tells us another Element, another benefit of this connection. Chapter 5, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you into eternal glory, into eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
because of that connection. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, we have all of our needs provided for because we have a heavenly Father. Hebrews chapter 4, let me read this verse to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Because of that connection, we, we automatically draw near to God. We come in a close relationship with God. So much so that Paul says, we cry out, Abba, Father. It's the most natural thing for a child to call out for daddy and mommy. Those parents. That's what we do. To, to, to see a, a, a Christian that's just kind of independent and just kind of divorced from God, never talks about God, never talks about the church, no love for these things. No, no crying out to Abba, Father. Then you have to wonder, is there really connection? Can you just say, oh, I'm a Christian and not be really connected at all? See no growth, see no richness of fellowship there. It can't be. It's not, it's not what we see in scripture at all. What we see in scripture is a love for God. It's produced within us. It's a love for God. It's a love for God's word then. There's a connection there. There's a flowing of resources here from the Word of God, and we're just fed that Word, and we're, we're growth. We grow as a result of that. You don't have a love for God. I have to question. I have to question. Do you have a love for God's people? Do you have a love for God's business, the church? If those things are not there, you, you raises some really hard questions in your life. Am I really connected to the vine? Am I connected to that head? Now, let's just apply this. There's some dangers here of just treating Christianity just like a a religion, just another religion. Um, This is not just a a religious kind of fellowship. It's more than that. It's a connection. It's a partnership. It's an adoption. Now, Satan, he just wants wants to treat it. He wants us. And he doesn't mind us being a Christian nation if we just simply mean, oh, we, we adhere to certain doctrines, but it doesn't matter what we do. It's just as long as we raise our hands and say, oh, I agree with that. Satan's all for that. That's just a religion. But he doesn't like it when we start talking about being born again. Having a transformed life from within. A love for God. A change for, uh, of the person with new affections, new drives, a love for God's righteousness, a change in lifestyle, a change in affection. John chapter 2, go back to the book of John, and we'll, we'll start to close with this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. This verse scares me every time I read it. They went out from us because they were not really of us. They would have remained with us, but they went out so that it may be shown that they were not of us. There's no real connection. That's a scary thing as a pastor. Scary thing. Are are we just playing religion? Are we just trying to conform to, to what God says? Not being transformed, just try to conform. Well, find out what Christianity believes in, and I'll believe that. 
I'll just do that. Here's what they do. So I'll do it. You know, it makes me makes me nervous when I throw out a um, an application to a particular verse. Because people will launch on the application and, and they'll say, OK, to be a Christian, here's what I need to do. And that just is legalism, folks. That just leads to, to me forcing my way into, into Christianity. Forcing my way to be a, a Christian. And that's not at all what we see in Scripture. It's a change of life first. There's an affection there. There's a love for God. A love for God's family. A love for God's Word and His righteousness. There's a change in identity. So much so that we're just enveloped into, into Christ. We lose ourselves. Now that's what I was, I was saying earlier. This isn't some just introspective way, that life that we just go around and, and meditate on ourselves all the time. Oh yeah, got to be careful and all that. No, it's not at all. We lose ourselves in Christ. There's, there's something there that wasn't there before that drives me. There's real life. And if that is not there, folks, then... You have to question if there's real faith there. So, we'll stop with this one. We wanted to get to two, but we only got to one. We'll stop with this one. But we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we enjoy fellowship with God, with Christ, and the family of God? If you are so detached from the church, so detached from Christ, if you can go days... Weeks, months without praying to God, without reading His Word. If there's not something in you that, that drives you, that, that wants to, to know and learn and to, uh, to feed on the Word of God, there has to be a, a question. You say, well, isn't, isn't the book of Revelation, doesn't he talk about Revelation chapter 2? Of losing your first love and, and um, the fact that people were lukewarm in their love for God. That can be. That can be. So you have to be careful in self-evaluation. And, and what uh, John says here in this passage, he says, Test those um, who, who call themselves apostles, he says, and, um, and they, are, they are not he says uh, in verse 4, he says, For I am against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, you've left your first love. You don't love God like you should. You've left that. Therefore, he says, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Now, here's the picture. Here's the picture. And this is where I think we fall into this trap so often. We, we love the Lord. There's a drive. There's a hunger. There's a... a uh, a, a quenching that can't be be fulfilled, and we develop habits of love. We, we love going to church. We love reading the scripture. We love praying to the Lord. We love fellowship with with the saints. We love that kind of stuff. And, and then he says, you, you lose your your first love. You continue to do those things. You're kind of lukewarm. You continue to do those things like Israel. God came to the point with Israel, he says, I don't even want to hear your worship. I don't want to hear your prayers. I don't want to hear your, your singing. Why? Because your heart is far from me. We can do the love things, 
with our heart being far from us. And, and this, then John in the book of Revelation, he's calling us, don't lose your first love. Go back to that. Do the things that you did at the first. Go back to those, those simple elements, those elements of, of real love. You know, it's the same way with, with being married. You know, we, I find myself, I find myself just doing, you know, saying I love you to my wife or, you know, you end a phone call, love you. And it's just rote memory, just kind of, just there. And we do the same thing with God. Just rote memory. I'll come to church, did my duty, good. Mm-mm. No, we're part of God. There's a love, internal love, drive, part of the family. There's a connection there. And folks, we have to evaluate ourselves. Is that true of our life? Or do we feel more comfortable being with the world? Do we feel more comfortable being outside this building? Do do I have to be around Christians? Do I feel more comfortable being with the world than I do with God's people? That's a tough question. We have to examine ourselves. We have a connection, a true fellowship with God the Father, Son, and the people of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word, the explanation of your word, just understanding of your word, how important these things are. Lord, I thank you for that connection that we have. It's not just uh, something that we can just pull out of the wall connection, but it's hardwired. You, you will not lose us. You will not let us go. What a joy that is. Lord, may we see the fruit of that in our life. May there be evidence. May there be that love, that fervent love, that hot, red-hot love. Not a lukewarm love, but a red-hot love for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.